What is going on, everyone? This is the Lazy Boy QB's podcast. It is October 23rd, 2020. Friday. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) I am your co-host, Jonathan Ryder. I made it. And my fellow co-host over here, Chad Larson. Man, how you doing? Guys, I am happy. Not only is it the end of the work week, but it's the beginning of the football weekend. So what more is there to be happy about? Be honest with you, uh, I'm enjoying it while it lasts because unfortunately it does go away at some point. Yeah, that's the sad part. Year. That's the sad part. It, it, it does break my heart, but you know we had a we had a pretty big trade um, this week. Yannick yes, Gakwe, uh, you know, traded uh, initially in the beginning of the of the season from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Minnesota Vikings for a, a second round pick, and recently now traded this week. From the Minnesota Vikings um, to the Baltimore Ravens for a third round pick in the 2021 draft and a fifth round pick in the 2022 draft. Chad, what's going on in Minnesota, man? Dude, I'll be honest. I really have no idea, right? Because um, exactly like you said, Minnesota, you know, traded for Ngakwe in the offseason. Um, and I thought that he was going to, you know, kind of be not the missing piece for them, but you know, they had lost Everson Griffin in the off season to Dallas. I felt like Yannick Ngakwe, him and Daniil Hunter, I thought that was going to be one of the, one of the sharpest one, two punches, you know, as far as, def- as far as pass rushers, um, in the whole NFL. And, uh, you know, then Ngakwe, he signed the, uh, he signed the one year, $12 million deal, right. To play in Minnesota, um, and then, and then, like you said, six games into his time with Minnesota, he gets traded to the Baltimore Ravens, a very, very good team who I think made a very, very good move. And, and to be honest, didn't give up a whole lot for the guy in the end. Um, they ended up, like you said, ended up getting a third and a fifth, third this year and then the fifth next year for a guy who, you know, we talked about it off, off recording, who we feel like is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it, it's kind of funny that the, the Baltimore Ravens are kind of doing this. They kind of they kind of did the same thing with the Jaguars when they took you no know, Kelly Campbell this year. Or, yeah, uh, yeah I think it was like a seven front seven round pick or a six round pick it was something ridiculously low. Yeah. Um and and, and Yannicka, he's he has you no know, two sacks. I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry, not two. He has five. four sacks so far. He has five. Yeah, Ooh. I saw five. Yeah. Okay. Um. And, and he took that pay cut because he was desperate to get out of Jacksonville, right? Yeah. Like, I, I don't want to be here anymore. Trade me. Uh, calling out the Suns owner publicly on Twitter. Uh, he, he was doing everything to get out of there. And eventually, I, I, I even thought that, that Minnesota overpaid for him with a second-round pick because everybody in the league knew that he didn't want to be in Jacksonville anymore. Um but after six games to just you know just disappear, at least it's not public, so we're not really sure what's going on. Yeah, and the thing, the thing, um, exactly like you said, I feel like in the NFL, whenever or in professional sports, period, when guys are giving up money, that's when you know they're really not happy with their situation. Um, Yannick Ngakwe, like you said, had a chance to sign that seventeen point eight million dollar um, franchise tag to play in Jacksonville this year. Said nah, screw that. I'm going to Minnesota. Signed there for twelve year, or twelve million, 
um, for one year. So took a almost six million dollar pay cut just to go there in the first place, and now is going to be on his third team in about three or four months. Uh, but you know, Jonathan, what are you expecting from Ngakwe now that he is in Baltimore? Um, he he won't be eligible to play for them this Sunday, um, but in Week Eight, I believe they said is the first time he'll be he'll be able to play for them because of you know he has to go through COVID testing and stuff like that now that he's with them. Well, I, I expect big things from him, man. I, I actually expect, you know, his stats to just, you know, keep getting better. He's I expect double-digit sacks. It, it's he was already on the weights for that this year in Minnesota. Um, the the scheme kind of fits him a little bit uh, as well, even though he also fit in, in, in Minnesota. Um, right. I, I, this is this is kind of like the all-in run for Baltimore, right? They're they're 100%. spending resources. They're trying to get up there. Uh, they got embarrassed earlier this year, um, you know, against the Kansas City Chiefs, and, and maybe they thought, you know, you know, Yannick is, is is a guy that can kind of help him go over that hump. Um, but it, it's it's the price that kind of like it's the price that they're paying for these guys that that shocks me. Yeah, it, 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 a third this year, and then a, a fifth next year. Condi- it, conditional fifth, I conditional believe. Conditional fifth. Um, so I, I'm, I'm wondering what's going on. I, I'm wondering if Yannicka said, you know what? I didn't leave one bad team to go for another bad team. Right. Uh, you know, but one thing I, I want to bring up, Chad, uh, do you think Minnesota kind of overrated themselves going into this year? Apparently, because, you know, to me, I feel like Minnesota wouldn't be the type of team that's going to make that trade. Um, you know, unless they really feel like, the, at least when they first got Ngakwe, because like we said, they paid a, a healthy premium for him with that second round pick. You know, it's not like you're going to go spend that type of capital on a guy for him to just be, you know, a good player stuck on a shitty team. I feel like Baltimore, or I'm sorry, Minnesota definitely, you know, thought that they were going to be either a playoff team or at least a playoff contender, you know, when they traded for Ngakwe. But very early on in the season, uh, six weeks in, Minnesota knows that. That is no longer an option. And, you know, I give him credit because Ngakwe was only under a one-year deal. Clearly, Minnesota saw something that said either they didn't want him or continue to have him or, um, or you know, they felt like he wasn't going to continue to be a Viking past the end of this season. And they did get something for him. Now, the guy who obviously needs all the applause in the world is Eric DaCosta, the GM for the Ravens, right? Like you yeah. said, they're, they're getting these guys. I mean, Calais Campbell was a, a late-round pick for him who had been one of the best you know, defensive linemen in the league for the past three, four years. I know he's starting to slow down a little, but still, you're not going to find that type of guy you know, in the sixth or seventh round anyway. You know, I, don't care how good a, I don't care how good your scouting department is, especially not a guy who's going to, like you said, going to be able to impact them right away. Baltimore is clearly showing they're putting everything on the table for, you know, this year and probably just the next handful of years before Lamar has to sign that big extension, right? Mm -hmm. Because um, as you've seen, you know, the quarterbacks that are on the rookie deals or that are on some type of cheaper money are the ones that are the most valuable. And, you know, you got to take advantage of that because at most you only have that for five years. So I give credit to Eric DaCosta. I give credit to Baltimore for making the move. But I'm not going to hammer Minnesota completely because, you know, clearly they saw that he was an asset that had depreciated while he was there, and they wanted to get at least something for him. Yeah, it, no doubt. And I could even see a scenario where they they approach Yannick with with a big deal for long term deal, 
and he just cut maybe maybe scoffed at it. I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be more news coming out um, about this trade. Uh, you know, when when you give up a second round pick for a guy, you, you're you know you're hoping, especially for a team like Minnesota, we, which we're not necessarily saying they're like Super Bowl contenders. Right. I'm pretty you know if, if they try to you know approach him with a deal and you know the numbers are way off and they're like you know what this is not going to change even you know into the off season. Might as well try to get something for him now. Uh, and it will be interesting if Baltimore, uh, you know, extends uh, Yannicke for a, a long time. Because now, like you said, they're going to have to start thinking about paying Lamar Jackson. And, uh, you know, the good, the good, I would say one thing about the Baltimore Ravens. I don't see a lot of guys that they have to pay, but they got to pay Lamar. And, he, and Lamar is going to cost them money. 100%. And I think that, you know, like we said, they saw a win-now trade that would help them this season. If they feel like Yannick is that missing piece for them, then, you know, all salute to them. The track record that their guys have shown in the front office, you know, you kind of almost have to believe them by default. No doubt. So, you know, we'll see how that affects them. Moving on now, we're actually going to see how, uh, you know, this trade affects us because we are talking about the power ranking still that we talked about um, or that we began with last week. We are talking about Tier 1 and Tier 2 today. Now, Tier 1, we're going to save that the best for last, obviously. But, Jonathan, let's go ahead and start off talking Tier 2, yeah? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, Tier 2, as you guys know, I come up with these dumb gimmicky names. uh, And I called them Tier 2, still good, but how good, right? So, these are the teams that, you know, for the most part, we could see maybe not quite as, you know, teams we could see making the championship game or the Super Bowl. But teams that are maybe a one move away or, you know, just, you know, kind of have to continue to find their identity a little bit more to, you know, prove that they deserve to be in that top, top tier. So in this group, I have number 14, the Cleveland Browns, number 13, the San Francisco 49ers, number 12, New Orleans Saints, number 11, the Chicago Bears, number 10, the Los Angeles Rams. And then at number nine, rounding out the group, I have the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, Jonathan, what stands out to you initially as we see that? In particular, which I am not buying this year. Okay. Um, not 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 their fault. Um, and that's the, the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. All right. And yeah. and, and and mainly, um, it, it's not because of, of the football team. It's it's just injuries, right? Yeah, hundred um, percent. This team is banged up. Uh, no, Solomon Thomas, uh, Nick Bosa, who was arguably one of the best pass rushers in the playoffs, and if not the whole season last year. Uh, Richard Sherman, uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, Kiddo's banged up. It seems like he's back. And then Jimmy, uh, G, missed Jimmy G missed him, and he doesn't look the same. Uh, even though they, they beat uh, the, the Rams pretty handily, I, I'm just not sold this year on the 49ers because of all that um so that's what kind of stands out to me in this tier i see yeah for me um i'll be honest i feel like maybe you know i overrated that that san francisco and uh los angeles game that we talked Mm -hmm. about on sunday night but man to me san francisco just just looked so good to me they're a better version of vegas right and you know that might sound kind of weird um mainly because I'm using the word Vegas when talking about an NFL team. But, uh, 
but you know, in the mm-hmm. sense that when they get ahead of schedule and they get on, um, you know, when they're able to mix in the run and the play action pass and get a lot of their guys involved the way they like to on offense, using them in multiple dimensions. You know, Debo Samuel, probably the most famous one, using the receiving game, the running game, all that stuff. But really all their receivers, you know, Kendrick Bourne, Brandon Ayuk. Um, and then, of course, you know, talking about them on offense, we're burying the lead if we're not starting off with George Kittle, one of the mm-hmm. nastiest, best tight ends in the NFL. One of the best tight ends, I would argue, that, you know, I've ever watched since I started watching football. Um but yeah, to me, they're just a they're a better version of Las Vegas in the sense that when they're playing, you know, the game that they want to play and they're able to control it, they're very hard to beat, and that's what we saw from them Sunday night against the Rams. Yeah, but you know, you you, you want to you know you can focus on a Sunday night game against the Rams, but I can just go back one more week, and and, and that team wasn't doing anything right against Absolutely. the Miami Dolphins. Absolutely. You Absolutely. Know, <laughs> yeah, Miami destroyed them on all phases of the game. Kittle got shut out. Uh, my, they couldn't protect Jimmy G to the point that they had to pull him out. Uh, and then Miami just kind of played games with them uh, throughout the second half. You know, they, they tried to push, but Miami wasn't giving it. So, and then you know the, the Rams, the the Rams are kind of a conundrum to me. And what's the biggest thing about the Rams that stands out to me, right? And yeah. and I'm not saying that I had them very different from you. I had them at 13, uh, at the bottom of the second tier. It's they gotta they gotta beat someone besides teams in the NFCs. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's very true. But at the end of the day, you know, with the Rams, they can only play. You know, the teams that are on their schedule, right? That's what we say about every single team. Um, but you got to beat them as well. And they haven't beaten those teams outside of that NFC East. You yeah, can I mean, only play, but you got to beat them as well. Yeah, and that's very true. You know, four, like you said, four of their six games have come against the NFC East so far. All four of them uh, wins. They had the tight loss to Buffalo where they came back from. They were down, I think, a million uh, at one point in that game. So came all the way back and then lost it by three at the end um Mm -hmm. and then this defeat uh to the 49ers the the thing about the rams that i like is they're you know i feel like they have a high ceiling right as far as the football team sure the the guys that they have on both sides of the ball you know they have the playmakers right Mm -hmm. obviously aaron donald headlines the defense along with jalen ramsey um you know, I, I like, I, you know, I even like some of their other guys. I don't mind. I like Michael Brockers a little bit. Yep. I like I like Leonard Floyd. He's not always the most consistent player. Playing and a by, lot better this year. Yeah, exactly. So, and then, of course, you know, we talked about that back end. Um, you know, Troy Hill, who is not necessarily the best cover guy, but is just a tough, tough corner who is going to, you know, playing is going to be able to help support in the run game. And he takes away the screen game about as well as pretty much any corner that I watched this season. Right. Well, they they got a big test this weekend, right? Against, you know, the the number 11 team in your ranking, yeah. uh, the Chicago Bears. It's going to be Monday night. This game, I think they played it last year, was super low scoring. It was a defensive battle. And, you know, the Chicago Bears – I, I've watched them, and I feel like they can play defense, but they cannot play offense. Yeah. What do you think, Chad? 100% agree with you, and, you know, that's why I have the Rams one spot above them. Um, you know, kind of previewing towards that game, the Rams are favored by six, and I completely, to me that completely makes sense because I just feel like 
LA is a more complete team on both sides of the ball. Offensively, they're miles better than Chicago. Um, but you know, exactly like you said, that Bears defense is stifling. Um, it's nasty, it's gritty, and you know, it's it's what's helped them honestly win five of their first six games, which going into the season, I don't think anyone would have predicted that. Um, mm-hmm. especially not considering the fact that they've already used two quarterbacks this year. Um, but yeah, to me, the bears, I think we're going to learn a lot about the bears over these next couple of weeks. They kind of started off not, not necessarily with all the cupcakes because, you know, they did play the Colts who was their one loss. You know, they played Tampa Bay, um, and they played the Panthers, but now it really starts to rev up for them. Right. So they have the Rams this week on Monday night, next week, they're going to have to travel down to new Orleans. And then the week after that, they have the Tennessee Titans who seem like one of the hottest teams in football. So, you know, Though these three games coming up for them is definitely going to be a big test. And, um, you know, that's where I kind of put them right in the middle of tier two. I, I didn't know what to do with them. I didn't want to disrespect the five and one, but at the same time, I didn't want to fully respect it. So I was just like, you know what, slap them right in the middle of tier two. That way they can prove me right or wrong either way over these next couple of weeks. No doubt. Um, are, are we, are we ranking this, the new Orleans saints kind of low, or you think that that's where they belong? Man, I'll say this. If Drew Brees is going to continue to play 15 yards and in the way he has this season, then I feel like they're about the way they are. Or then they're in the right type of ranking. Because, uh, now granted, they will get Michael Thomas back um, after the bye. uh, But I don't know. I don't really see, like... I can't really look at a roadmap to where New Orleans is really going to continue to improve that much. Like, I don't think, do you think Breeze is going to just get better over the next couple of weeks? Because I feel like, if anything, he'll go the other way. It's not necessarily that I think he's going to get better. It's just the fact that, you know, uh, eventually Michael, Tom- Michael Thomas is coming back. Yep. Uh, he It's not this weekend. Um, I think it's already been confirmed that he's going to be out. Um but eventually he comes back and he's going to give it's a security blanket, right? And it's one of the surest security blankets that we've seen in the last two years. A uh, guy literally broke the record for most catches in a year last year. Um, so that, that will help things out. The only thing that concerns me about the New Orleans Saints a little bit is that, you know, the, the Tampa Bay Bucks, they're coming together pretty well. Um, and granted, I know the week one uh, win against the Bucks, but Carolina is a lot better than what we thought they were. And the, the Atlanta Falcons are still a talented football team. Absolutely. Um, so uh, that's that's a tough road. I, I also believe that there is – no, they already played the game against the, the, the Packers. So – it's 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 tough, right? Like I I don't want to dis I don't want to disrespect the New Orleans Saints. I don't want to re- disrespect Drew Brees. But man, even coming back, you know, from behind to beat the Chargers on Monday night two weeks ago, it, it starts to raise questions. Yeah, exactly. And and you know that's exactly what it is to me is that the the questions that are being raised, and then also the fact that you know they are so over reliant on um on Alvin Kamara on offense. And like you said, you know, that's going to obviously change when Michael Thomas gets back. One of the best receivers, uh, you know, in the whole NFL. No no doubt. Well, definitely one of the best receivers in the NFL. Yeah, and, you know, him coming back, I could see him gelling with Emmanuel Sanders and gelling with the rest of those guys. Um, and then that could help elevate them to, I think, the tier that, 
what well before we move forward is there anyone else in tier two you wanted to highlight really uh indianapolis they they need to show me something man 100 percent. uh we were super high on them and then they they lose to the cleveland browns yeah um and and then uh uh they had to kind of kind of scrap this game against uh the Bengals this past weekend uh I like them, but man, they, they kind of give me a scare this past weekend. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree with everything that you're saying about uh, about Indianapolis. I want to see them play more consistently on offense. Um, but then also, you know, that defense we raved about it for you know the, that four week stretch, you know, where they mm-hmm. were giving up, uh, you know, barely not even ten points a game. Looking back on it, you know, that might have been inflated, you know, considering they were playing three offenses that I think we can comfortably agree with are, are well below subpar, including the New York Jets, who I'm pretty sure I could be their second or maybe third best skill position player. So. <laughs> yeah, uh, they got a bye this week, and they're going to have a juicy game against the Lions next week. Yeah, so, um, but Indianapolis is one of the teams that I could see, you know, continue to move up, right? And okay. that And that could help propel them into – the final tier that we're going to talk about, and that is going to be tier one, which is head of the class. Yeah, and, and Jonathan, I don't know what type of student you were in school, but being head of the class, you know, means that you are in that elite, elite, elite tier, right? So we're talking about the eight most elite teams in the league, the teams that we could easily see playing on, you know, championship Sunday or even Super Bowl Sunday. Um, and those eight teams are the Baltimore Ravens at eight, Green Bay Packers at 7, the Buffalo Bills at 6, Tampa at 5, Seattle at 4, Tennessee Titans at 3, Pittsburgh Steelers at number 2, and then my number 1 team is the Kansas City Chiefs. Man, I gotta, I, I'm got i going to straight up ask you, man. Uh, you have the Seahawks at 4. I don't think they can play defense, uh, but... W- why why at four yeah the thing about seattle is well for for Mm -hmm. one you know i still have to give them credit for being the only unbeaten team in the nfc right i guess as long as that continues i'm gonna have to give them credit and the thing is that you're you're absolutely right they cannot play a lick of defense right now but it hasn't seemed to matter so far and it's not like they've been going against cupcakes either right they've played you know some pretty they haven't played anybody elite that's for sure but they've played some good teams. You know, I would consider Patriots decent. Dallas, eh. And then uh, I guess Miami, who has been the toughest oh, team that they've played all year. I was about to say, you better not forget Miami. No, I, I just said Miami's probably the <laughs> toughest team they've played all season. I'm giving credit. I'm giving credit. All right, all right. No. But, but mm-hmm. yeah, to, to me, it's just all about hustle and bustle. And that offense is clicking right now in a way that I don't think it's ever clicked at any point. And I'll be honest, at a certain point, I just, I expect the Seahawks to be able to get stops when they, when they absolutely need to, because at the end of the day, the way Russell Wilson's playing, that's only going to be about one to two times a game. Yeah. And, that, and that's really unfortunate because it's, it, 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 I don't, it's when this team needs to go, it goes that yeah, fourth quarter drive against um, the Minnesota Vikings. And, and I get the Vikings are not that good. But you know your your defense stops uh, the opo- the opposing team. 
on a fourth and one of the seven yard line and you yeah. just drive it down Minnesota's throat, uh, threw the ball all over the yard against Dallas. Um, you know, and, and also that they scored a lot of points against the Patriots, right? DK yeah. Metcalf is a beast, man. Absolutely. Absolute, you know, absolute and, monster. And we, we doubted him. I mean, at least I doubted him. No, back I was, in the I was draft with process. you. you were with I was me, right, right there. Yeah, because I was I the same he, way. He he ran the 40 really fast, and then he showed the abs, and we're like, oh, my God. But then again, it's like, man, is this guy Laquan Treadwell? Is this mm-hmm. Laquan Treadwell all over again? To the point yeah. that in the draft, A.J. Brown, his teammate, went before him, and now he's proving every single team in the NFL wrong, um, except maybe the Houston Texans. I'm not sure if they had a pick in the top two rounds. But... Uh, <laughs> Typical yeah, of them. Typical of them, right? But it, it, look, the DK Metcalf connection with with Russell Wilson, it seems like it, it's is borderline unstoppable. Made made guys like Xavier Howard and Stephon Gilmore look kind of stupid. Uh, it, no, if Carson stays healthy, that's good. That offensive line is gelling. Uh, let let Russell cook, right? Yeah, and the thing is that the thing that you hit on that I wanted to also talk about is mm-hmm. the part where you were talking about the offensive line continuing to gel. You know, forever in Seattle, it's been you know the offensive line is terrible, it's trash. You know, they're gonna get Russell killed out there. It's not bad this year. Now, by no means am I saying that it's you know the best offensive line or you know um, anything like that. But you know, I feel like their offensive line is doing enough to allow Russell to do what he does and allow the running game to work. And that's what I think, you know, people talk about the defense and how poor the defense is. I feel like once we get into the later season, later games of the season and even into the postseason, I feel like they're going to rely a little bit more on the running game, not because they don't trust Russell, but to keep that defense off the field, right? And we've seen, I mean, we've seen everything that they've invested in the running back position. Chris Carson, um, you know, very good player, um, who else do they have? Rashad Penny. I mean, heck, he was a first-round pick um, a couple years back. So they definitely – and then, of course, at the end of the day, Russell is able to, you know, offer you a little bit in the running game as well, kind of more so with the scrambling than the, you know, quarterback keeper or anything like that. But still, when that team is able to control clock and keep that defense off the field, you know, I could see that defense possibly being the way how Kansas City's was last year, right? You're not mm-hmm. asking them to be the 84 Bears. You're just asking them to make one to two plays a game. And like you said, in that Minnesota game, they made that huge fourth down play. They stopped Minnesota. They did give up 26 points to them, but when it mattered, they made the play to, you know, to help keep them in the game and, and eventually help them, you know, go on that opening or go on that last drive to win it. And, and this is what I'll give their defense Uh both uh, KJ Wright and Bobby Wagner are graded, you know, top ten linebackers according to PFF. Um, yep. And Jamal Adams has been hurt, so you know, eventually he's going to come back. Uh, it's and and I I will never you know kind of count out Pete Carroll. The guy right. is a genius, you know. Exactly. You, he, he he you don't have to give him a lot for him to work with it, and and so far it's looked really good this year. Yeah, I completely agree. You know, I'm just going to continue to ride ride with them as the top of the NFC uh, until they prove me otherwise, really. All right, Chad. So right here, you might make some of our fans kind of scratch their head, maybe even cuss <laughs> out at us, which is cool. I mean, I'll cuss right back. But uh, <laughs> the Baltimore Ravens at number eight. Yeah. Um, this is a one-loss team, and granted – 
the multiple losses. But the Baltimore Ravens, uh, you think they're a little bit low? Why number eight? Um, you know, I'll be honest. It's just something something about the way their offense has looked this year. To me, it just has not been as explosive. And to me, I mean, the defense hasn't hasn't dropped off at all. If anything, it's probably gotten a little bit better. Um, especially now, you know, we talked about the addition of Yannick Ngakwe. He's going to m- provide, uh, you know, an added boost to that defense as well. But offensively, I just, I don't know, just something about something about the way they're running on offense. And, and it's just, it leaves me much, much more to be desired than it had last year. And last year, they, it still showed that it struggled, you know, come postseason time. So, you know, I still obviously like all their, I like their weapons. Um, you know, Marquise Brown is their leading receiver. He's continued to come along nicely. You know, you've got the tight ends, Andrews and Boyle. Um, but yeah, man, I just, I can't really put exactly, you know, pinpoint on what it is, but just something about them has looked off to me. Granted, like you said, they are, they are five and one, I believe. Yeah. yeah. They just, yeah. they got stomped by the Chiefs. That's the only game. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, they've beaten, you know, if you look at the teams that they've beaten, Browns, Texans, Washington, Mm -hmm. Bengals, Eagles, by no means Mm -hmm. any of the toughest teams in the league, right? But all those wins have been pretty convincing, um, with the exception of that Eagles win. Um, And then they had, obviously, like you said, the blowout to the Chiefs. So, you know, it's something about the eye test with them that, to me, like, I thought they should have scored probably 40 points against Cincinnati. Cincinnati's offense was not able to do anything, um... You know, they, they they were put in, the offense was put in good field position time after time, and it just wasn't, you know, it just wasn't clicking for them the way I'm accustomed to seeing a Lamar Jackson-led offense, you know, cook. Yeah, look, I agree with you. And if you look at the, the other seven teams in this head of the class, um, you know, tier, uh, every other team I can go like, Quarterback and a special player. So Kansas City, I can go like Mahomes and Hunt. The Steelers, uh, it, it, it's Ben and I. I'll say multiple weapons because I like Connor, Schuster, even Claypool. You yeah. know, and I can go down the list. But when I go to all the way to Baltimore, I I, I don't see it. And, and Hollywood Brown is is a good receiver, but right. nobody's out here trying to say that Hollywood Brown is a top 30, 35 receiver in this league, even forty. Yeah, I mean, t- to me, the probably the most explosive weapon they have is probably Mark Andrews right. on offense, or at least the one who I would say you you would probably have to game plan for the most outside of Lamar. Right. You know, so that, you're right. It kind of takes away, and that offense seems like it's very Lamar dependent. So maybe yep. they don't need that weapon. But look, that game against Kansas City, and let's talk about their opposition. That they look really bad. They're on a bye this week. And then they're going to have a huge test against another one of these teams, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, which you have ranked number two. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, Pittsburgh, uh, I I love what I've seen from Pittsburgh this year, right? Everyone hyped up that Cleveland game that they had last week. Um, You know, people were saying, you know, this is going to tell us a lot about Cleveland, about Cleveland. Um, Everyone was looking at, you know, what Cleveland was doing. Baker Mayfield's in the headlines. People are saying saying OBJ is back. They found the way to use him. And then Pittsburgh just comes out and absolutely stomps him in the throat, uh, 38-7. And I got to give full credit to Pittsburgh. I, I, I've never been a Pittsburgh fan. I don't like anything about them. But they are one of the best teams. I mean, to me, the second best team in the NFL. That offense, like you said, Big Ben, they've got a, a multitude of options that they can go to. 
is it just me or do you feel like they find a new receiver like offensive weapon in the third to fifth round of pretty much every draft look i've been i've been, heard this from multiple sources the guys that they draft if they had gone anywhere else it wouldn't work out yeah exactly. the steelers they, they not only have this eye for funny you know really good receivers not in the first round but like right. second and third and develop these guys extremely well. Um, going back to like I don't know, Mike Wallace, um, Emmanuel Sanders, yeah. uh, Schuster, James Washington doesn't look bad. It looks pretty good now. Yeah. Chase Claypool, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They they have just had a a flurry of offensive talent come through there, and you know it's credit to them. Right, and then they're able to use those high picks on, you know, game changers on defense. One of them being Devin Bush, who unfortunately in that Browns game did tear his ACL and is now out for the season. Yeah. So, so that is one thing that I could see, you know, maybe possibly being a roadblock for Pittsburgh moving forward. But you know, at the end of the day, even if their defense just takes a step back, that still can be one of the best defenses in the NFL. Yeah, no, no doubt. This is a. This is a gritty team coached by another hell of a coach, Mike Tomlin. Never had a losing season, a losing season as a head coach. Uh, yeah, it's, I it's think ridiculous. He, over the past couple years, he has definitely proven himself as as one of the elite, elite, elite head coaches in the NFL. And I feel like people forgot about him for a little bit. You know, they had that mediocre year last year. Mm-hmm. Um, weren't weren't as hot in 2018 either. And and, you know, now you look up at it and it's like, man, Pittsburgh, I mean, heck, like I said, I got them number two in the power rankings, so. No, it, look, and, and I have them number two in my power rankings as well. Uh, this this is a team that I don't want to face. Uh, it, this team, this team was so good last week against, you know, uh, a kind of a trendy team as the Cleveland Browns. After they yep. play the Steelers, next thing you know, you got people, you know, telling, uh, you know, telling the Browns that they need to bench uh baker, baker. mayfield uh, exactly. talking about trading for ryan fitzpatrick and i'm like man you play the steelers and that's the outcome in the week after that but it kind of leads us into this nice segue the team the number three team in your rank is the tennessee Titans, yeah. and they will face the Steelers this weekend yes they will i'm so looking forward to that one that's going to be you know arguably the game of the week here right um it's going to be a one o'clock kickoff in 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 tennessee Mm-hmm. And yeah, like you said, I am looking forward to this team. Both of these teams, five and zero, coming off you know very impressive wins. Tennessee still riding high off that you know when they obliterated Buffalo. Kind of won a won a close one or had to go to overtime against Houston on a uh, on a head scratcher of a decision by by Romeo Cornell. But uh, I guess that's <laughs> why a, he's that's the reason why he's coach. not a head coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, look, man. I I think this is a hell of a matchup. It, it it's it really it's is. It's just defense. It's gritty. It's Vrabel against Tomlin. You know, it, it's Ryan Tannehill who didn't necessarily have a shot to go against Big Ben in the Dolphins' only playoff appearance during his tenure. Yeah. Uh, it, it's Derrick Henry. No questioning, or or at least he's gonna take into question the Pittsburgh's defense physicality because yeah. he's just gonna go at them. 
Uh, and I think th- that's that's where that's where they're really going to miss Devin Bush, right? He was yes. that sideline to sideline, but it can also play in the gap, can play in you know in between the guards, can tackle, can make plays. Um, you know, he's a physical defender, even though he's a little bit undersized. But man, that guy can move and that guy can hit. And like you said, he's going to be missed a whole lot going against that physical running game of the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, so and, and I will go back to saying like a tough little stretch for the Steelers. Uh, they have you know Tennessee this weekend, and then they're gonna have to play Baltimore next weekend. Uh, yeah. But it, I think these two games, and, and I keep saying it's gonna really tell a lot about this team. I I think it will. It could definitely determine playoff seeding. Who wins the AFC North? Uh, so you know, I can I be honest with you? I think they can go two and all these next two games. That's how that's how high I have the Steelers in my yes. Yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you. You know, I think that Tennessee game is a toss-up. And then, you know, like I said, I haven't necessarily liked everything that I've seen out of Baltimore this year. So I feel like I would favor Pittsburgh in that game as well. Nice, nice. So we spent a lot of time talking about the AFC here, right? We're pretty much only missing the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Kind of a tough game against, you know, Kansas City Chiefs. But how about this NFC teams, man? You got Tampa Bay here at number five, and you got the Packers at seven. I guess that last game uh, between those two teams on Sunday, it kind of did it have an effect on your rankings? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, and I'll say this the game wasn't so much, you know, because the thing is, Rodgers clearly was not playing to the same level that he played, you know, the first handful of games of the year, right? That offense mm-hmm. was not cl- was not clicking the same way. Um, Aaron Jones, only 15 yards on 10 carries. Uh, I mean, their leading rusher was, uh, was Jamal Williams, who only had 34 yards. So, you know, definitely not what we're accustomed to from Aaron Rodgers um, and that Packers offense. In- even, you know, including the fact that they had Devontae Adams for this game, finally. Um but, you know, that, that defense in Tampa is nasty. I mean, they have guys all over that second, all over that defense that can make plays. And, you know, I don't know if this is just off that one game that I'm thinking this, but to me, I don't know if, especially now that Devin Bush is out, I don't know if there's a linebacking duo that I would rather have than Dave, or than uh, Devin White and Levante David in the whole NFL. Yeah, that's, that's, Levante is going to be at my Dolphin next year, but, uh, Talking about this year. <laughs> Got to sp- no. speaking that into existence. <laughs> this is what I'm trying to. Do I get three wishes? Where's the genie at? Uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but uh, no, you're, I know, that was a terrible joke. Thanks for laughing, though, bro. Hey, man. Hey, I thought it was all right. I didn't think it was terrible. <laughs> no, but, you it, 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 like, man, when you look at this uh, Tampa Bay defense, man, it's nasty. It's I know. It, it, it's scary in a way. They got a lot of guys, a lot of names. Some of those names in the secondary are kind of young, but yeah, man, they're 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 a really good football team. Um, I don't like to overreact after just one game, right? Because you know, last week I was sitting here telling you how I thought the the Green Bay Packers was one of the most complete teams, not only in the NFL, um, yeah. but probably in the NFC. Um, it, it, the game was at Tampa, and I get it. The only thing that I can kind of see in the Green Bay Packers' favor is that their schedule favors them a little bit more than yeah. the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
And yeah. it, it, this year, no, home field advantage is going to be crucial, especially since only one team gets it, right? Uh, yeah, and only one team gets that bye. So yeah, it, to me, I think to the me, Green though, Bay Packers need it. I feel like, though, to me, you know, like we said, Green Bay – um, is four and one now. Tampa four and two, and then Seattle at five and zero oh, um, is heading that NFC. I just feel like Seattle. You know, we talked about their schedule on a previous podcast about how it's very, uh, it's very weak as well throughout the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I feel like Seattle's probably going to run away with that one seed, and then between Green Bay and and Tampa, they're going to be fighting for you know that two versus three, which. which you know, to me, that that's going to end up being a playoff matchup between those two. So that'll still be important. You know, to see who will have who will have um, home field. You know, if those two teams end up matching up in the playoffs, because there's a big difference between in January being in Green Bay or playing in Tampa. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'm all about going to Tampa and playing in January, right? Uh, <laughs> although, I'm although all to be about it. <laughs> to be fair though, if you if you had uh-huh. to pick a quarterback that you would want to play a January game in cold weather, I know he's still or I know he's 43, but you know Brady's still got to be one of the top guys. He's got a lot of experience doing that. Right. Um. Yeah, I mean. This is the only thing I, I will say about the Seattle schedule, and we talked about how soft it is. The NFC West—it's it, always a little weird. Um, yeah. they, they really play each other really tough. Um, very, and, and that's true. why I'm definitely looking forward to this this weekend's game. That Sunday got flexed into the Sunday night game uh, between the uh, the Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, you know, people. I think people are overplaying the the Arizona Cardinals a little bit after you know the Monday nights win. Uh, yeah, I think they're still but, a very very good team, but yeah, I agree. Uh-huh. They're getting a little getting a little too much smoke blown up. Okay. Um, you're number six, right? In your rankings, they're they're pretty good according to you. Oh yeah, I mean, I still <laughs> think I, like that's the thing. Buffalo, they lost those two games in a row. Um, but, you know, I'm still by no means am I off Buffalo. You know, I still love, you know, I, my man crush for Sean McDermott is growing every single week. Um, I think he's one of the best. You know, I'm going to continue to say it. Uh, and I think this week they'll just continue to get back on track. They play the Jets this week, um, which is a nice game for, you know, anyone that's playing the Jets. Um, and, and, then, and then they have a big matchup in two weeks. You know, they're going to be playing the Patriots. That yeah. game is going to be, you know, it's going to be in Buffalo, but still, that game is going to tell you a lot. I feel like Buffalo is going to be able to, if they can handle that game and, and control that when, that game against the Patriots, then that'll set up a nice matchup in three weeks between them and Seattle. And, yeah, it, it, it's all about the mentality, right? The mentality yeah. has always been in the last 20 years that the Patriots own this division. Uh just, you know, try to play your heart your hardest against them. But, you know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And you kind of kind of, you know, accept your losses and move on. But this, this year is different, right? This year, yeah. it, it's all about Buffalo. Can they handle that pressure of like they are the team to be being in the AFC East this year? 100 percent agree. And, you know, I think Josh Allen is going to be ready for that. I think he's going to be up to the task. I think that. You know, we talked about the Bills' defense. While it hasn't necessarily been the best this year, I think it'll find a way to, you know, stop that New England um, offensive attack. And, you know, I know I'm kind of – we're looking looking a little forward, you know, for these next couple of weeks. But 
I'm just excited about, you know, some of these matchups. Like we said, these teams are going to, we're still really young in the season. A lot of these teams are going to be able to, uh, you know, play themselves out, right? Yeah, you know, and you're right. Look, this we are, you know, coming into week seven. Um, there is still a lot of football to be played. Uh, you know, by, I will say around week 12, week 13, we should get a really good feel about who these teams are. Uh, I think as of now, we just kind of separated, you know, the tiers, but these right. next few weeks will, will tell us within these tiers, who are the teams for real, who those teams are not. Yeah. And, and Jonathan, real quick, before we, uh, wrap up this segment, we yeah. obviously have to, uh, have to hit on the, the only team in this top tier that, that we haven't talked about yet. And that's the number one team, the Kansas City Chiefs. What have you seen, you know, from them this season um, that has either impressed or that has really impressed you? Uh, the fact that teams try to stop Patrick Mahomes when they really need to, and it's really hard for them to do so. Uh, he, he <laughs> just, just, it's just that simple, he, isn't it? He, he just keeps finding a way to keep moving those chains. I, I cannot imagine being a a Buffalo defender in that game where you thought you had him contained, you thought you had him backed up, and that dude would just slip away and either either make a run or scramble or he would make a nice pass. And it's like, God, man, I'm trying to give my offense a chance <laughs> and you just won't get the fuck off the field. Exactly. Like, stop. Uh, the, the, the Oakland game, the, I'm sorry, the Las Vegas game really didn't worry me. Look, yeah, it, it's hard to go 16 and 0 in this league. It's yeah. going to happen. You're going to drop two, three, maybe four games. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're, you're right. We didn't talk about the Kansas. <laughs> but they're they're easy to forget about, about them. Like, this is the class of the NFL. They are. They are easy to forget about. Yeah, and and um, and. And the thing that I, I was going to say mm-hmm. is, you know, Mahomes is, and, you know, we've all sung his praises all the way to the moon and back, and even that probably isn't enough. But the way he's taking care of the football this year is, I mean, it, it's unreal, right? You know, in his mm-hmm. first two in his first two years as a starter, um, he had 76 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. Now, that's about four and a half to one for touchdown-interception ratio, which still is 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 ridiculous right especially over a two-year stretch um Mm -hmm. for a guy who had legitimate concerns as far as you know holding on to the ball in college um and valuing it this year he has gone to a completely whole nother level and he's at 15 touchdowns to one interception and to me that's like um that's like the, the the secret weapon you know, for the or that's the scariest thing for the entire NFL is if he's continuing to throw touchdowns at a high rate and not turning the ball over at all. I mean, at that point, what do you do when you're playing Kansas City? Yeah, like what do you do? Like what do you do? And, and the thing, um, and the thing is, they've also added the element of, oh, you're going to sit back and play cover two. Here, here's Clyde Edwards-Alaire for five yards a carry. Here's Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, here's yeah exactly. The richer, the rich just keep getting richer, right? You know, here's Le'Veon Bell. You keep playing your cover two, keep switching it up. At the end of the day, you know, Kelsey is is a is a master of finding that soft zone. Uh, can match against Tyreek Hill. Look, they're not gonna win every game, but if you if you get me in the playoffs, 
whether they have home field advantage or not, I don't think it really matters. This Agreed. is the most dominant team in the NFL right now. 100% agree. Could not, yeah, could not agree with you anymore. We're in complete lockstep right there. Um, yeah, and with that being said, Jonathan, I think that yeah, you know, we can go ahead and wrap up our uh, our, our our power rankings with that one. Is there anything else you wanted to add to kind of put a bow on the whole segment? No, look, I, I just you know, uh, please, uh, for all football fans, this Pittsburgh Steelers Tennessee Times game is going to be epic. Uh, next week as well between Steelers and Baltimore. Uh, look, I this is great. I love football season. Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> exactly. And with that being said, guys, we are going to sign off for this episode. Hope you guys enjoy a wonderful weekend of football. Um, and we will be back very soon to talk about some more football uh, with you guys and and listen to everything that you guys have to say. Uh, you know, with that being said, Jonathan, I think we're going to go ahead and head out of here. Guys, you enjoy yourselves.